0: Welcome to Short Course, episode 36, for October 5th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. Last week on the podcast, I talked about my history with production guns. The guns, at the time I said, my competition guns. But what I really meant to say, or should have said, was my production competition guns. Because I did actually shoot a single stack 1911 in competition for three years. Not three solid years, but... For three different years, I actually had a 1911 that I competed with. And I completely, honestly, like when I was recording, I I just didn't even talk about it because it was such a departure from my main competition. And the main reason for that is because I really ended up shooting my 1911 when I got it in 2012 as an off-season kind of distraction. It was, it was something to do in the winter to have some fun after, honestly, what tended to be a pretty unsatisfying main competition season, because at the time I wasn't really practicing and it was good just to have something different. So in particular, it was, it was the fall of, of 2012 when I decided, really for no real particular reason... That I wanted to get a 1911 and, and shoot it in competition. And there were a couple of things that informed the timing of that. And I think one of them was the fact that 2012 was the year, was not a particularly good year for me competition wise. So, 2012, I shot, I was at the time, I was shooting entirely IDPA, but I was taking IDPA fairly seriously. I had shot the the Carolina Cup, which was a really big IDPA match hosted here in North Carolina that at the time had been going on for almost 20 years and was considered sort of the third unofficial nationals of, of IDPA. Because IDPA does, they have a summer nationals and for a while, for many years, they had a winter nationals at the Smith & Wesson indoor facility. I actually don't know if that's still happening. I've I've really fallen out of of IDPA circles, but for a while there IDPA had had their indoor nationals in the winter and their outdoor nationals somewhere in the summer. And the Carolina Cup was was usually in June or July, sometime in the summer here in North Carolina, and it was just it was just a big really well-run level 2 IDPA match basically. And certainly around here it was it was the highlight of the the IDPA competition season. And so i had actually signed up to shoot it and that was the second big major idpa match i'd ever shot the first one as with really any first major match i was just kind of getting my feet wet and and so i really had no idea what to expect at that first one so this second one at the cup i thought all right this is you know this is my chance at the time i was a solid idpa sharpshooter thought i had a good chance of of winning sharpshooter maybe and getting that that match bump up to expert, which is important for me. And long story short, halfway through the last stage, so stage 16 of 16, I mess up my stage plan, shoot some extra shots, go to slide lock when I'm shooting along the left 180, pull the gun into reload, break the 180, and get DQ'd halfway through the last stage. So that was a bummer. I'd kind of spent my time working up to that, and then you know, to DQ at the very end was was frustrating. And 2012 was also an interesting year because the same range, the range, also known as Frank's here, here in Oxford, North Carolina, the same range was hosting the 2012 IDPA Nationals a couple months later. And I ended up getting a slot to that and shot it. I, I'd actually classified up into expert by then. And so I shot it, and placed solid middle of the pack expert at nationals, and it it was fine. I didn't feel like I'd shot great. I felt like I could have shot better, but i I didn't really know where to go after that. You know, I I had been working my way up for the last couple of years shooting in IDPA. I shot a big match, and then I shot nationals, and really nationals was it, it was a good match, but compared to the cup, it was it was just another. Another well-run match. If anything, Nationals that year was a little bit less interesting than the Cup just because of the restrictions that IDPA headquarters put on the match. And so I was kind of feeling burned out. I kind of needed a, a change of pace. And the other thing was at that time in IDPA, there really were two main guns that people shot. There were plastic guns, either Glocks or MNPs with the occasional XD mixed in there in SSP or ESP. And there was still a a healthy following of guys shooting 1911s in in CDP. And I knew some 1911 people. They really seemed passionate about the gun. And I just, I didn't get it. I I had, I had a couple polymer guns. I competed with a Glock 17. I liked it. It was simple. It worked. It wasn't finicky. And so I just didn't get the 1911 thing, but I thought, okay, here's a challenge. Why don't I get a 1911, learn to shoot it and figure out, figure out what this is all about, figure out why guys like it. And at the same time, I also did have in the back of my head, the inkling that having sort of done IDPA to the highest limit in the sense that I'd been to nationals, even though it was in my backyard. So it wasn't a, a huge strain, but since I'd gone to the IDPA nationals. At that point, my brain was starting to think about branching out into USPSA, and I did know that in USPSA, there there was the ability to shoot, there was a division for 1911s as well, and so I thought, oh, great, This I can get another gun, and I can still shoot both sports. I don't know that that would have been a deal breaker if it wasn't true, but it, it certainly helped. It was, it was fortunate. It also helped that by that time I'd gotten a Lee turret press, and I was reloading my own 9mm, and... It didn't seem like that big of a deal to reload 45, and in fact, it wasn't. But it did make it feasible to shoot 45, where before, if I'd been trying to buy factory ammo at factory power factors and all that, it just really wasn't going to be terribly practical to compete with a 45. But now that I was reloading, I could. So I started to do my research. I looked around at features. I saw all the different models, everything from GI 1911A1 style all the way up to custom $3,000 less bears and, and everything in between. And eventually I narrowed down that there were actually a couple of features that were important to me. And the main things are, and it's funny that, that these are still to this day, the things that matter to me on a gun, it basically boiled down to front strap checkering, which it still boggles my mind that that's not standard on, on all 1911s, but I wanted good front strap checkering. I wanted front cocking serrations again not standard on all 1911s, but particularly if you have an ambi safety, I find the rear cocking serrations pretty hard to use. And then having an ambi safety, because I assumed that I would need to be shooting this in classifiers where I'd have to shoot strong and weak hand only. And and having the little shelf for your thumb when you're shooting with one hand, I liked at the time, and I I still do. And so I looked around and there were a couple of models. There, There weren't really a lot of Production models with all those features, but eventually I tracked down a, a Springfield TRP, got a good deal on it, and it had all those things. It had night sights, fixed night sights, which at the time, at the time, I didn't value sights as highly as I do now, so they were fine. But I, I didn't, that didn't really bother me. They did the job, and it also meant that I was able to shoot night matches, which typically happened in the winter. I could shoot this TRP at those where at the time, my Glock competition gun had a fiber optic front sight on it, which wasn't really great for for night matches. So seemed like a win-win, and, and honestly, it was. It was a great gun. I, I liked that gun quite a lot. Shot a good deal through it. It really never gave me any issues when I first started reloading for it and I first started shooting it. I had a few hiccups, but it all turned out to be just me not reloading correctly. I I wasn't putting enough crimp on the bullets. And because of the way the 1911 feed system works, it, it will really set your bullets back and, and just jam up on the feed ramp because 1911s, especially in 45, don't really have a feed ramp as such. Not, not the way you see it on something like a, a Glock or an MNP. And so I would just have rounds that, that would just, they would just go into the barrel hood and just set back and just stop. And I was shooting berries at the time, berries bullets. And so they were, they were pretty soft. And so they would just flatten out a little bit. And once I got that sorted out, man, that thing just ran for me. It was, it was, uh, it was great. I liked shooting it. That first winter, I shot it from about December to March. And about that same time, December to March, actually, uh, was when I started shooting USPSA. So my first, Three or four USPSA matches were in single stack, and I got my initial classification in single stack. Initially classified C class. Thank you very much. And shot for a couple of months in in single stack, and, and I liked it. It was fun. It was a good change of pace. It it brought it brought the the fire back. It made me interested. Felt like I was actually getting better. I didn't feel like I was stagnating and burning out and and stalled. And so, in a lot of ways. Getting that 1911 and shooting it in the the winter of 2012 is is kind of what kept me in the hobby because I I don't know what else would have at the time I did I didn't know what else to do, but again it bears repeating at the time I had no practice schedule I didn't really practice and so I just shot as many matches as I could thinking naively that that would make me better at shooting matches. So that was the winter of 2012 into the the spring of 2013. And spring of 2013 is when, like I talked about last week, I switched from shooting a Glock in competition to shooting a Smith & Wesson M&P. Because at the time, I just bought a new competition gun, enjoyed it a lot. It really inspired me to shoot some more and enjoy shooting again. And so I thought, okay, I'll go back to production. I'll shoot 9mm, but let me get a competition-specific gun. And you heard the story of that last week. And so I bought the The MNP shot that in the summer of 2013 when I first started kind of getting serious about USPSA in the sense that I actually wanted to get good at it. I didn't look, I was starting to shift my mindset from being an IDPA guy who dabbled in USPSA to, oh, this USPSA thing's really interesting. Let me kind of focus more on this. Now, I still, that summer I still shot IDPA level twos. I shot the the Carolina cup, but I also shot my USPSA state match, which happened to be at a club about an hour from my house. So it wasn't, it wasn't hard. And that, that club is now my home club where I go to practice and, and I shoot their club match every month. So that wasn't too much of a stretch, but I did start branching out and shooting major USPSA matches as well in production. And so that was fun. Dabbled in, in both sports, shot both, And then the winter came around and I thought, well, that was fun last winter. Let me, let me do that again. I'm, I got the itch. Let me load up some 45 and and shoot the 1911 again. And so the winter of 2013 did the same thing pretty much December to March shot the, the 1911 in the December night matches, and then just kept shooting it in, in the regular club matches. And then it was springtime again. Time to start thinking about major matches. Carolina Cup is coming up in June, so time to put it away, go shoot the the production gun again, get back to the MNP and you know get serious. But I enjoyed the offseason. It's you know it's a fun gun. And I talked about wanting to get the nineteen eleven to, to understand why people like it. And and I definitely did get that. You know, without question, there's just something more satisfying about about shooting, operating, handling, racking the slide on a 1911. It just, it feels like a more substantial piece of, of steel in your hands. And especially if you have a good one And this TRP, not that it was any worth doing of mine, but this TRP was pretty nice. The, the Springfield guys did a good job with it and it was just satisfying. Everything was smooth. There's, there's something about the, the way it cycles and recoils that it just, it, it bounces well So, you know, I got it. It was, I started to understand why people were fascinated with what seemed like really kind of outmoded, low capacity, heavy guns. I still didn't necessarily think they were practical for everyday use, but as a, as a tool in competition, as something to be used in a competition scenario where practicality was not paramount, I definitely got it like, and, and I enjoyed it. And I think During those years when I was shooting two, three, four, five matches a month, you know, there were times where I was shooting a match every weekend and then one or two weeknight matches every month. And so I was basically shooting as many matches as I could because I didn't have a range to practice at. It still hadn't quite sunk in the importance of, of practice versus just shooting lots of matches and assuming that, that that's the best way to get better at matches. And so I shot. So 2014 was an interesting year for me because that was the year that I shot the nationals. I got the opportunity to fly out to Utah, work, shoot, and then work the nationals, and that kind of recalibrated me. It, it was a really interesting experience getting to see the the really highest level of USPSA, and then I came back from that a week or two later was the NC section. Shot that, worked it, enjoyed that. But as the season wore down, I, I was kind of in that same spot where as fall turned into winter, I'd shot all these matches. I wasn't really getting too terribly much better. Uh, certainly my classification wasn't moving in any significant direction. And and I started to feel the, the burnout again. And so, you know, my plan was... Do what I did the last couple winters and switch and shoot the 1911 for a while because there, there's always something about switching a gun where just reacquainting yourself with the the basic mechanics of it, the grip, the draw, the reloads, shooting it, handling it that that novelty gives you a little bit of reward. It, it feels fun, and the I mean the bad news is that. You feel like you're making progress and learning new stuff when you switch a platform, but you're basically just relearning stuff you already knew. You're you're just working your way back up to the level of proficiency you had before you switched guns, even if it's a gun that you've switched to before. But that was what kept me going during the winters. This time, what was different was somebody had scheduled a class with Steve Anderson at a range here in North Carolina, and... I managed to hear about it and get a spot. It was in November of 2014, and I remember thinking at the time, "Man, like, why, why now? Why November? We're just heading into the off season. I'd love to just go shoot the 1911 for a while, just blow off some steam, and and come back to this in the spring. Why, why can't he come in March? That'd be. I, I wish that that was how this went, but that wasn't how it went. He was coming in November, so. Loaded up a bunch of nine, bunch more nine millimeter. Went to the class with my M&P in my production gear, and in a lot of ways, that class just opened my eyes. I mean, it was the first competition-specific training I'd ever taken. Steve started with a a real heavy emphasis on dry fire. He at the time he did what I sounds like he still does in his classes, where the morning of the so it was a two-day class, Saturday Sunday, and Saturday morning before noon was all dry fire. It was all just, I believe it was the first 12 drills of of refinement and repetition. And so it was all just draws, surrender draws, turn in draws, six reload six, six reload strong, six reload weak. And for the first time I really saw, oh, okay, like this is how I get better. This is what practice really looks like. This is the way that if I want to shoot better matches, I have to go do this stuff, not just shoot more matches. And to my eternal gratitude and to his credit, one of the things that Steve did and still does hammer home was the importance of, of a schedule, not just dry firing when you feel like it, but actually picking some kind of schedule that you can stick to and and practicing on that schedule. And I remember at the time the the schedule that I set up was that for three nights out of the week, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if I wanted to get them out of the way early, or if I was busy early in the week, then I could do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or if I, you get the idea. Three days out of the the five weekdays out of the week, I was going to dry fire for, I think, 45 minutes, something like that, and I just established that schedule, and coming out of the class, I stuck with it, and I did shoot one match in single stack that winter. So after I took the class, I did shoot one match in single stack. I don't even really remember why, just kind of for the heck of it, I think. But taking that class, even though it was November, even though it was the end of the season, I was at the perfect spot that I was sort of primed to receive the message. I I was feeling burnout, feeling ready for a change. And this time, instead of the change being changing guns, it was changing how I was practicing it was changing the way I was interacting with the sport and since that happened I I've practiced I keep getting a little bit better I've I've never I've had plateaus since then but I've never really felt well there've been a couple of periods of of quasi burnout but I've never felt like switching guns would be what fixed the issue now that I've gotten on a practice schedule and and know the path to get better switching guns just didn't really interest me anymore and so that was the winter of 2004 going into 2015 like i said i shot one match with my single stack gun the winter of 2015 going into 2016 i didn't i didn't even touch it i may have taken it to the range once just to just to shoot it cuz i mean don't get me wrong it's satisfying shooting shooting the 45s it thumps it was a very accurate gun I, I will definitely say that it was it was always more accurate than than my M and I felt like now maybe that was trigger, maybe that was sights. Who knows? But it was always very satisfying to go shoot it. But but only at the square range and somewhere in there, I I joined Sir Walter as a member so I could go practice and I started taking my M and to go practice and getting better that way and and so I just I didn't really need to, the nineteen eleven anymore and. Eventually in 2016, when my then fiance, now wife, and I were, were in the process of getting married, and it became clear that I was going to be switching to a Tanfolio stock 2 as my new competition gun, I knew that I would want a backup gun. And I looked at this fairly decent. I mean, it was a thousand dollar, I think the MSRP on the TRP was like 1500 it was it was a decently nice 1911 with a bunch of mags, and I said, that's worth a Tanfolio right there. So, put it up for sale, ended up finding a, a buyer who, who paid me, I think about what I paid for it, maybe a little bit more, and took the cash, turned around, and bought a backup stock too, so that I could sort of double down on production, because I was sort of at this crossroads. Not that I was really seriously that interested in single stack, but... I always liked hanging onto the gun because I liked single stack. I had fond memories of shooting it. I always thought it would be a good thing to do for fun, to blow off some steam, kept all the mags, kept the the holster and and all the belt gear because I thought, you know, I'll go back to it one day. But when I was in this position of, okay, we got a lot of debt to get out of money's not super plentiful. We just bought $1,000 tanfo. Buying another one might be a bit of a stretch, but if we flipped this 1911, boom, there's the money. And so I did it. And, you know, I, I can't say I've, I've really looked back at this point, the competition landscape and single stack really hasn't changed that much in the last couple of years. The for a long time, there was decent participation at club matches, and there still is. And there was pretty good participation at nationals because they would do single stack nationals early in the year, separate from all the other nationals. But in the middle at the, the section and the area match level, there really was not that that much participation, which is to say not that much competition. And so when I was looking at which of the two divisions I wanted to focus on, I wanted the one with the, with the most competition, the deepest talent pool where there was the most heat. And so production was that. And I think that's that's still mostly true. Now, I think this year is going to be very interesting because production and single stack are back-to-back, or they're, they're combined into one nationals. They're not back-to-back. They're combined this year. And honestly, at a club match, I quite regularly use practice score competitor to just put the single stack scores in up against the, the production scores. Because to me, single stack minor shooting 10 rounds, single stack versus something like a 10 folio stock too, there, there's no real gear advantage there. We're, we're about even and even 8 round major versus 10 round minor i think gives them enough of a handicap to compare the scores straight up so i'm actually really curious to see how the national scores this year come out looking at the at the overalls which you can see sometimes at matches like battle in the bluegrass where that's a single stack and production match and it's always interesting to see the how the the single stack and production guys stack up but outside of that outside of a match like like single stack nationals there just really wasn't that much competition and to me, shooting, shooting production is, it's simple. It's the, really the most inexpensive division in, in a, in a practical sense. And so I, I just, I look back fondly on my time in single stack, but it is funny that in my memory, it's, it's almost this, this other thing. It, it's almost not even associated with competition and IDPA and USPSA. It was kind of this other thing, thing that I did in the winter as an off season to blow off steam and have some fun. So when I was thinking about competition guns last week, I, I really didn't even register because it was, it was, I, I got into it for different reasons and eventually I got out of it for the same reasons. Well, that wraps up this episode of Short Course. If you want to get in touch, my email is podcast at I post all of my match videos on YouTube at youtube.com slash benbarryuspsa.